Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. We're dipping back into the archives this week, gang, with a more traditional intermission way back from the days of April 2016. This is episode 7 of The Original Cast, uh, an intermission uh, that uh, from Evan Casey's episode, the first time we talked about Les Mis. And uh, I was thinking about it because in... <laughs> We talked about Miss Saigon, which is obviously last week's episode with, with Marty. And I kept thinking the whole time I wanted to ask Marty about this point that we brought up uh, with Evan about The Heat Is On In Saigon and Three Dog Night Song, Mama Told Me Not To Come. And we never did. We never got around to it. It was just, you know, Marty and I were having so much fun talking about everything else. Uh, so I wanted to bring it back here real fast and go back to the uh, recording booth at American University where it all began with Evan, who I think was the second or third guest I ever recorded with. He was like the fourth or fifth I released, but he was one of the first. And uh, I wanted to send you this uh, little missive of Evan and I talking about uh, Boubille and Schomberg and Miss Saigon and a little Les Mis and baritones singing tenor songs. It's all kinds of great stuff. And as I used to say, we join the conversation already in progress. Now, how familiar are you with their subsequent work, Schoenberg and Bubles. I mean, it's uh, Miss Saigon. I mean, I know Miss next... Saigon. Mar- Martin Gare, they wrote to sort of be another big uh, thing that never really came to fruition. Um, then they wrote, what was that show? They wrote another show that somewhat recently that again. Oh yeah, failed. Something. You're right. They did. They did have one. I remember because it was sort of being it was like the it Snow was being, Queen or something. What the it was heck being was it billed uh, the Pirate Queen. Pirate Queen, sixteenth uh, century Irish pirate chieftain and adventurous Grace O'Malley. Oh, I know who Grace O'Malley is. You can Google that. Um, opened in two thousand six. Was prepared for Broadway at the Hilton in two thousand seven. They worked with Richard Maltby again, and it got a critical savaging and poor ticket sales. And it closed after eighty five performances on Broadway. On Broadway at a loss of. The entire, you want to guess the budget for Pirate Queen? $18 million. I was going to say $20 million. Wow. That is insane. And then, like, that year, Les Mis celebrated its 20th anniversary yeah. <laughs> in the West End. So, well, it, you know, when you, when you make, when you make, when you create Les Mis and then subsequently Miss Saigon, which was, you know, no slouch either at the box office, that thing ran for, like, what, eight but, years, nine years? But how do you feel about, this is what I, I wanted to kind of get into with, how do you, you know we have we we talked about Android Weber as a force in music theater since let's say 1970, um, and so for the last 40 some years he has been a force consistent like, and making shows and selling tickets and doing okay and put out the longest running music musical in Broadway history with Phantom of the Opera, and, but keeps going keeps coming back into varying levels of success. What do you think it was about Schoenberg and Blue Bill that they? How do you feel about Miss Saigon? Oh, um, it's, you know, it's fine. It's never, to, to be honest, I've never, I don't think I've ever actually listened to that cast recording start to finish. Like, I mean, I certainly know the show. I know the plot. I know songs from it. Um, but it's never, you know, captured my attention. 
or my youthful heart the way <laughs> uh, the way Les Mis did. Um, and it was a it was a hit. It was no, it was sure. not you know it it ran for four thousand performances. Yeah. I mean that's not again that is no slouch right. itself. But is and I know Signature revived it last year. Uh, I think maybe two years ago. Yeah, they did a, a pretty big, sizable production of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does pop up from time to time, but we're, we're it has kind of faded into the background um, and has a very, I, I think, a score that does not even come close to the quality of either lyrically or musically of. I think I, cer- I certainly song think to song maybe, but n- there but are elements score. of the show that I think are certainly uh, and elements of the score that I think are great. I think I mean I, as on the whole as a score, no, I don't think it stacks up quite to Les Mis. I think it's still a, a solid score. You know, they have Miss Saigon, which is a big hit, but mm-hmm. but not as high quality. I think we could all agree. And then kind of nothing. I mean, a, a precipitous. Yeah, again, fall they did off. Martin Garrett and they tried to do Pirate Queen, and you know, I I, I certainly think that. Uh, what was it? Was Miss Saigon based on anything? Well, Miss Saigon is loosely based on M. Butter- uh, well, of Madame course. Butterfly. Of course, yes. I always said M. Butterfly, which is a whole different show. Um, but very loosely. Yes. I mean, it, it, it isn't. It, 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 as much as I say, it is not based on Madame Butterfly in, in it, except in the loosest of ways about a a Western man in the army fall. Uh, impregnating a Asian lady. Past that, it really has no sure. no resemblance sure, to that sure, butterfly. Sure. Yes. Um, but that said, it does it, it does have at least, both Les Mis and Miss Saigon have at least the germs of, of you know, uh, uh, power, impactful source material from which to draw ideas and story arc from. Mm. Martin Gare and Pirate, Pirate Queen. Um, well, Pirate Queen's a true story. She's an interesting figure. Oh, I know. But I'm just but saying. But no, no, you're right. That, but it's a true story, do, which is a whole other thing. I'm just saying, in terms of what their style is, and in terms of what they have to offer as a composing team, I don't know if if those if those other uh, sub p- subject matter is, is as much fertile ground for them. Yeah, it, it's just interesting to me that that two people, and then plus Richard Maltby, who worked with them on Miss yeah. Saigon, and then worked with them on their subsequent projects. Obviously, I mean, Richard Maltby is is a tremendous music theater presence. That these three people, with Cameron McIntosh producing, couldn't like they couldn't do it more than twice, really, and really more than once. I mean, Miss Miss Agon aside, reading it as a huge commercial success, um, it, it, it still it still feels like it's inexplicable to me that you could write a, sh- a team could write if it w- in a way that if it was if it was one guy, yeah. book music and lyrics by one of these guys, right. Wrote Les Mis and then never had another hit. That I kind of understand a little more than it. For some reason, it's inexplicable to me that a team couldn't go through ebbs and flows. Or I wonder if it was just because Les Mis was so huge and then Miss Saigon was bigger in some ways than Les Mis from a production standpoint that the shows kind of collapse under their own I think that, weight after a certain point. I think there may be a little bit of that. Um, I think that... Uh, I'm not so sure that I don't feel a bit, a bit of the opposite, that it might actually be easier for someone like um, for someone who's an individual to continue to sort of churn out things when you're sort of your own barometer. Mm. OK. Um, but I mean, then again, you know, again, speaking of sort of the powerhouse success of someone, you know, Lloyd Webber keeps working with different lyricist yeah. um, and continues so, to in, in similar iterations. I mean, he's worked with Don Black a couple right. of times. He's worked with, I mean, obviously he doesn't work with Tim Rice anymore. Um, 
he's had sort of runs at, at collaborators. Yeah, it's just it's it, it's a show like Les Mis that has so much heart and so much passion. And from the score, I mean, yes, you're right. The source material absolutely drives that. But it also, I mean, the score has such, I'm not even talking about tunefulness. I'm just talking about heart. Like it just has a certain level of genuine emotion in it that then kind of, I, I mean, maybe that was just, that was that was all they had to give. <laughs> that was all they had to give. After, I'm not, and it's enough. empty vessels after it that. It makes a career. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Like it's, if, if I, I hope one day I ever am involved in a show that is half as successful as Les Mis from a creative and commercial standpoint. But it is interesting still that... Uh, that they couldn't it just never happened again well i mean i don't again i don't i i'm do. really giving miss saigon a short shrift i should stop doing that but well yeah. yes i mean miss miss saigon i think we could we could certainly say was was immensely successful in its own right so um while not as successful as they is few things are as, as that's we true already addressed that's very true but um but I think once you do, when you're, f- I don't know, I don't think, I mean, you've done your research. I don't think they wrote anything before Les Mis, did they? Well, Schoenberg was a songwriter, uh, and just of, in a sort of general way in France. Like, um, like a popular songwriter? Yeah, and he wrote in the 70s, he wrote a, a hit, a number one hit in France. And then after that, in 1978, he and Boubille got together and started working on okay. Les Mis. And as I say, it opened in in France in uh, like 1980 in Paris. At the, it, it, so, I mean, it's two years to write it, which makes perfect so, sense. So, yeah, I mean, this was that was the only show they worked on for like 10 years. Right. So, so basically the only thing they worked on is so their, so their first musical becomes, at the time, basically the biggest success after Cats. And there's, I mean, yeah. at that moment in time, you're not really necessarily comparing it to something else. You're just noticing that it, this thing is going to run forever. Right. Um, and I would think... That regardless of what, uh, you know, uh, creative outlet you're choosing, whether it's uh, music or playwriting or acting or whatever, if you do something that's a mega, mega success, I mean, I can certainly appreciate this as an actor, although I'm not, you know, a, a big film star, but if you do some movie where you're like it's why people get afraid of branding you know if you right. if you do something and you're and that's like you you do whatever you are Katniss Everdeen or you are Harry Potter or whatever mm-hmm. it takes a it's a hard time to break away from that and i think for these guys you know i certainly can't speak to that specifically but it it would seem like if you create something that's a mega mega smash success and you're trying to recreate those elements every time and that's a recipe for disaster. It is. A, it, you brought up an interesting point with you say this is their first musical. These are two guys who were songwriters. And it is an interesting distinction between coming from the theater, which Lloyd Webber, I mean, Lloyd Webber was a theater writer mm. and a classically trained composer. Um, and just like, you know, Stephen Sondheim or Bach and Harnick or Kandra Neb, I mean, these people are theater people, whereas Schoenberg and Bublil are songwriters who have written a musical, Bublil, a little bit more of a dramatist, but certainly not a, a like a writer of many musicals before Les Mis. So maybe it is just a lack of this isn't their wheelhouse in maybe. the same way. Like they write because I feel that one of the reasons I'm kind of down on Miss Saigon is I do feel there are some great songs in Miss Saigon. Oh yeah, I think um, until I, I mean the opening number is great. sort of realize it's a rip-off of uh, Mama Told Me Not To Come by Three Dog Night, which was a very disappointing day for me. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. 
when yeah, I heard I remember those two songs well. back to back. Um, the uh, and a lot of the songs the engineer sings. I mean, the American Dream, if you want to die in bed, um, Buidoy. I mean, anybody who went to school for music theater and went to a recital of a baritone has heard Buidoy. There Buidoy, the dust of life. home they never knew because we know deep in our hearts that they're all our children too and it is a gorgeous song i might say more a tenor but yes okay or tenor sorry say um only because and, as a baritone that song would be very difficult for me to sing okay oh that's true he's got that really high born in strife right. part that is a tenor yeah song. it's fine all for right. a while like like, <laughs> most, like like most tenor songs sung by a baritone it's fine until like the it's like you know the two minute 47 second mark and then you're like oh this a Children.